0: What's up everybody, and welcome to the Holy Shift Podcast, where we're gonna give you the tools that you need to crush it in your business. I'm Corey Michael, and here with my co-host Devin, and together we're gonna take your business to the next level. At Holy Shift, we're all about elevating your creative
1: marketing game. We're gonna teach you how to build a killer brand, develop a sick content strategy, and use the latest marketing techniques to get your business noticed. But it's not all about the tactics. We're also gonna talk about the mindset you need to succeed. Being a business owner is tough, but we've been there and we know how to
0: help you stay motivated, stay focused, and be ready to crush it every single day. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready for some serious holy shift action. We're going to drop some serious knowledge bombs, have some fun, and help you become the badass business owner that you were always meant to be. So what are we talking about today,
1: Devin? Uh, Today we're actually going to be talking about mastering email marketing. So we're going to be talking about best practices for
0: creating effective email campaigns and nurturing customer relationships. Excellent. People undervalue the power of email, including myself. This is something that you've been helping me with. That's true. And in my own
1: career, I honestly slept on building an email list for like five years. And the entire time I would talk to people about the importance of having an email list, but I wasn't building my own. Um, It wasn't until relatively recently that I like, what am I doing? I help businesses with their email marketing all the time, but I don't have my own email list. What's, what's wrong with me? Um, So, but yeah, so what you will see buzz all around the internet all the time about how email marketing is dead. Well, this year, constant content put out a report. That said, that email marketing still gets you thirty-six dollars return on investment for every dollar spent, which means email marketing mm. is still the best return on investment for any marketing strategy. Uh, so anyone who says email marketing is dead doesn't understand numbers.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I even think about uh, just in you know recent years, there's been a lot of talk of uh, social media platforms, which a lot of people you know rely on. Uh, being shut down, being regulated, being censored, everything from, you know, Facebook and all of its stuff and TikTok potentially being shut down and all this. And and, uh, a lot of people have started to understand that, oh, I can't rely on just these platforms alone, but not everybody knows what the next step is. And that's where email marketing uh, and building that list come into play.
1: That's absolutely right. Actually, that's uh, one of my notes on what makes email marketing so important is the concept of ownership. Um, Mm -hmm. if you are building a brand on any platform, you can be deplatformed. If you're building an email list, your email list cannot be taken from you. Now, technically speaking, if you're building an email list on something like uh, a MailChimp or an active campaign or Constant Contact, those companies have the right to shut you down if you violate their terms. They Mm -hmm. don't have the right to take your email list. So you always can download your email list off of the platform, even if they tell you that you don't get to work with them anymore. So- The only thing that can't be taken from you as far as brand development goes is your email list. And if you have an email list, you can always tell your audience where you're moving to if you
0: do get deplatformed. So, Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it's um, being aware of the fact that you have these, you know, these contact details inside of a CRM like a Mailchimp, like an Active Campaign, or whatever. Uh, but then you can utilize that for a number of different things, especially uh, when they are warm contacts, right? Which is how a lot of those are probably in there for, you know, for some reason, whether they opted into a lead gen form on your site or they're previous clients of yours or whatever. Um, and actually, that's that's something that um, I was just Uh, working through the other day with a client of mine was uh, they had, they didn't buy an email list, which is totally possible for people to do, you know, for cold email outreach and whatnot. Uh, But this is a list that was provided to them by a partner of theirs um, that they uh, are affiliated with. And when doing emails, you have to keep in mind your cold audience versus your warm audience and what you are allowed to do and how you're allowed to email them or not email them because that's that's what can get you removed from certain platforms. So like this client was not allowed to use Mailchimp because they were trying to do a cold email marketing campaign and Mailchimp's like, eh, "Nope." <laughs> so technically speaking,
1: everyone that we've listed, every ESP that we've listed, uh, email service provider that we've listed is warm marketing. It's inbound email marketing. Right. We haven't mentioned any yet that you can do outbound email marketing in. Um, that yep. would be something like a like a woodpecker. And the fundamental yeah. distinction is uh, because when you start doing cold email outreach, you dramatically increase the odds of people reporting you as spam. And mm-hmm. e- warm inbound email marketing companies like MailChimp are actually sending the emails off of their own servers. So you can actually get them shut down if they don't shut you down first. Right. Uh, so right. our, you get them blacklisted, you get their email open rates for go down for everybody who uses them. So they have to be on top of that companies like Woodpecker actually just get your permission to operate through your email account. So then if the email account gets blacklisted, it's your particular email account and not the company on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and that's also totally. why, uh, that's also why when you do use things that are cold outbound emails, they have way more restrictions on how many emails you're allowed to send on a daily basis. Um, you, so people would want to go to MailChimp because they could say, I just got a list of 200,000 emails and I can send 200,000 emails a day now. You can do MailChimp for like a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but <laughs> with Woodpecker you can't because a single email account is not permitted to send that many emails a day. It actually gets stopped by the email provider. So those are just the games. So most of what I wanted to talk about today, honestly, was more on the uh, inbound warm email marketing side of things, Um, quite simply because it's actually significantly healthier for your business. I'm not saying don't do cold email, but it's the 80-20 rule. I think we talked about this in a past episode where uh, for most companies, at least 80% of your revenue should be coming from pre-existent clients. Mm -hmm. They should be coming from people who've already paid you, who want to keep working with you. And so cold email outreach is a strategy you can use to get new clients. I want to focus on what's going to make us the most money. And that's yep. nurturing our existing audience. The quickest path the quickest path to revenue. Right. And so what we would do to build our email list, if we don't have one, is we'd set up something like a lead magnet or a, you could say a tripwire. Uh, the distinction there is a lead magnet is something you give away for free in exchange for an email. And a tripwire is something with a very marginal payment up front. Well, you also get their email. Mm -hmm. And the difference is how well-qualified your lead now is. If if You're going to get a whole lot more people to take something for free than you are who are going to pay for it. Right. And the people who paid for something are way more likely to pay again in the future. And so both strategies are perfectly viable. Just know one's going to get you a larger audience and one's going to probably get you an audience that will pay more, Mm -hmm. Um, but it'll Mm -hmm. be smaller. Um, And then you do any marketing thing that would be the subject of another podcast episode on how to get people to see those lead magnets or tripwires get people into your system um really what i want to talk about more is just once you have an email how should we be interacting with them
0: Hmm. um well maybe maybe before you get into that part maybe you can talk about some ideas for lead magnets and tripwires that would get people convince people to give you their email in exchange you know because that even that determines what you do with those emails sure um for my business, um, for Settle Your Side Hustle, uh, the
1: lead magnet that I'm currently running is a list of 50 proven side hustles you can start with just a laptop and a checklist of the 11 tools you need to accelerate your growth. Hmm. So you get both of those. Um, and that, so that lead magnet on cold traffic got about a 50% percent off rate. It was like 48%. Like it was crazy high. Um, I tested the same thing with a list of seven proven side hustles instead of 50 because 50 felt overwhelming. Seven didn't do as well. Um, okay, so we're going to stick with the 50. Um, that's one example of a of a lead name that I've done. But your, your lead name can be, like, the sky's the limit. You can say, um, you know, enter your name and email to watch this free training. And it can be a video. Um, enter your name and email to get this report. Or you could do a quiz funnel. Um, so you could literally have people fill out a quiz and then send an email to get the results of the quiz.
0: Um, you if you were a checklist, you'd you like to girl. If you're a wedding planner, you know, you could give people a, a, a checklist of like, here's the 10, you know, top 10 things you need to do to make sure you're ready for your wedding. Uh, and people, you know, really appreciate that kind of stuff. You could do uh, like a lookbook or a, a mood board or a swipe file of just like giving people a bunch of resources into whatever your industry is to give them a whole bunch of value in this free thing. Yep. And if you think about it conceptually, there's this
1: idea in marketing that we would call a value ladder. Um, And the value ladder just shows where all my offers line up, um, how much value they're giving to my client and how much I'm charging. The first step on that value ladder is always something that you give for free, but it's always up on the value. So if you're giving away something for free, um, the idea should be that when they take it, they feel like I should have paid for this. Yeah. If If your ideal client gets a free gift from you and they think I should have paid for this, then you know you have a really good lead magnet. Mm-hmm. Um, if yep. instead we switch over to like the concept of tripwires things that you may have somebody pay something marginally for up front um one tripwire that i've done in the past is uh for a christian niche uh sending them a cross necklace where i just asked them to pay for shipping mm-hmm. um so and <clears throat> so if you if you do a free plus shipping offer um the product's free just cover shipping and handling um technically most of the time um the way that these offers are done when i did it with like a, a relatively cheap cross necklace I could have absolutely actually just put the price into shipping and handling and nobody would have noticed because these cost like 99 cents right um I did not do that um so I'm going to point out you could be as unethical as you want with free plus shipping offers um I'd rather be honest with my audience and tell them that you'll get the necklace for free I'll take that cost because I'm not hoping to make money off of giving them a necklace I'm hoping to make money off of the fact that somebody was just willing to pay me and I have more stuff they want Yep. Um, and so usually if you do trip wires, actually doing something physical tends to work better. Mm. Um, it's hard to get people who don't know you to pay for information, right? Um, something physical is much easier, but it depends on your marketing strategy. If everything you're doing is organic, if everything you're doing is brand building and like, then it's much easier to get people to pay for like non-physical things because they do know you already. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's going to happen in that case is uh, you're just going to get list segments. The people who bought something are in a higher priority list than the people who just got something for free. Because that list is probably going to pay you more money over time. You're going to want to market differently to those two different lists. Um, yep. And also, you should actually have a system set up where you, have, where you can take people and they can transfer lists depending on their behaviors in your email marketing. Mm-hmm. If somebody's over here, but then they actually buy everything that you tell them about over an email, then that's the wrong list. They shouldn't be over there. They should move.
0: Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Well, so once you get those emails, uh, then what do you do with them?
1: We would split this up to where there's kind of two ways that I think about um the emails that you send to people in your list, we have what are kind of known as like evergreen sequences. And then we have things that are typically called just email blasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so an evergreen sequence is literally uh, the system that you set up through your MailChimp or through your active campaign or your AWeber, where as soon as somebody signs up, as soon as they join this list, then over the next 5, 10, 30, 90 days, they're going to get these emails in this specific order. And the way that I actually break that down, um, the my ideal, personally, is that I think everybody who joins an email list should be now in a 30-day email sequence, hmm. roughly 30 days. Um, and the way that we kind of do that is um, initially, you do like three to five emails that are like, thank you and welcome to my world type of emails. And so these are emails that's like, here's a thing that you asked for. Thank you for joining the community. I'm going to be giving you a whole lot of value. And then you do just go give a whole lot of value. And you do that for three to five days where all you're doing is loving on them to make them, like what you're actually doing there, you're training them to open and read your emails. And people aren't going to open your emails if every time they open the email, it's a sales pitch. Right, But if every time they open the email, they get real value out of it, then they're going to build a habit of opening your emails. From there, you do a series of promotions effectively. And these promotions are going to be like five to seven day promotions. Uh, And they're going to be promoting something on your value ladder. And so every technically, the, the right order is like every one of these promotions should be the next step on the value ladder. So if this person joined your list for free, then the first thing that you want them to do is pay for the $9 thing that is normally your tripwire, right? So you do like a five-day promotion or a seven-day promotion that's sharing with them why they would want this thing. And then two of those days, you actually have the link to the thing. Mm. Um, And then you repeat that with the next step on your value ladder. You know, well, this was a $9 product. I actually have a $47 course for you, right? And then you repeat that with the next step on your value ladder, which is actually we have this $200 per month mentorship. Mm. And then you repeat that with your next one, which is actually, if you want one-on-one support, here's... that looks right and the quote-unquote ideal would be that you have enough content to literally do this forever um but you're gonna have three maybe four steps in your value ladder that it actually makes sense to blast your audience to so that's what gets us to the rough 30-day mark um if you only have three promotions maybe that only gets you to 21 days it's fine um and then you want the last thing that your sequence does to tag them so that they transfer to a new segment. And that new segment is the segment that you'd send your email blasts to. So the entire time they've been in the sequence, they aren't getting your email blasts. And that's important because you don't want to, you don't want to spam their account. Right. So then they switch over to email blasts. Um, Generally, for almost every industry,
0: the more emails you send, the more money you'll make. So the general which feels a little counterintuitive because you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to spam people. I don't want to get people tired of of receiving emails from me or whatever. Right. Um. So
1: it's actually the case in most industries. If you send an email a day, you've probably optimized your list. Um. There's there are exceptions, which is why I'm saying most industries. Um. But for the most part, business owners are more uncomfortable sending emails than prospects are receiving emails. Sure. The reality is we don't open most emails that we get regardless of who's from. Right. So the more emails you send, the more you increase the odds of somebody reading your emails, the more you increase the odds of somebody actually engaging and possibly purchasing whatever you're selling. Um, Now, that being said, I would say as a pretty good rule of thumb, you should not be pitching a product in every email that you send. Um, it would be somewhere in the neighborhood between 20 to 40% of your emails have product call to actions. All of your emails should have call to actions, yep. but the call to actions shouldn't all be purchases. Call action right. could be, listen to this podcast episode that we just put out. It could be, watch this training I just made. It could be, hey, here's a free download that I made for you. Um, whatever it is, all of them should have call to actions because you want to train your audience to do what you tell them to. Yep. <laughs> then 20 to 40% should be saying, sign up for this program buy this product um or schedule a demo whatever whatever it is whatever industry you're in one of the things that i think most people struggle with when they start thinking about the idea of sending a daily email blast if they're on board and they're like yes i'll do this is what do i write about
0: mm,
1: yeah how do i how do i write content every single day um so i'm going to give you guys two two questions to ask yourselves that and Play this episode to whoever in your team is going to be writing the emails. Um, right. Tell them they have to listen to this because there's two questions you can ask yourself that basically guarantee that you don't run out of content, that you mm-hmm. can always write an email. Because nice. um, one of the things we know about, our, about the human brain is that it is actually hardwired to answer the questions it's asked, which means when we ask bad questions, we get bad answers. And when we ask good questions, we get good answers. Yep. Why am I fat? Because you're lazy. How can I get in shape? Exercise. Like, that's right. how the brain works, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so, like, it's uh, crazy. Right. So, the first question that I ask myself whenever I want to write an email um, that's just a blast, it's just going to go out. They're going to see it once is one, what is something trivial, mundane, and small that I've done in the last 24 hours? Then I write down a list of like three or four things. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, yesterday morning, I had to return a socket to, uh, to a, to uh, us that I rented from a part store. So I went and I returned a socket. Okay, there's one random thing, right? Um, The second question, after you have these three or four just random mundane things you've done in the last 24 hours is what is something, what is a lesson that my audience could learn from this? Hmm. Okay. So my audience is business owners, right? So when I think about that socket that I had to return, so I rented the part from a part store and they didn't charge me to rent the part. They put a hold on my account for the value of the part, and their terms say outright, if I don't return the part, I've purchased it. Okay. So they make no money from me renting it. Hmm. Well, what the reason they're doing this is to build brand loyalty. It's to give an amazing customer experience. Yeah, interesting. And when I look at that and I apply that to my business, it feels very similar to when I offer like a 30 day money back guarantee. Yeah. where. I feel like I should be doing everything in my power to give you the option not to buy the part mm-hmm. and to make you want to buy the part.
0: Sure, yeah. Um
1: so that right there. Now we now we can have this like rich conversation about um like both we can go the route of giving an amazing customer experience or we can go the route of um giving so much value that people don't want to take their money back if they're given the option, right? Um and that just comes from asking the simple question of what could be learned from this mundane event, right? <laughs> I just this last month where I visited my sister and she made macaroni and cheese out of a box. And she just followed the recipe. And the recipe, like just following the recipe doing exactly what the box said, when the, the mac and cheese ended up being not even al dente, but like undercooked noodles. <laughs> um, and I thought that was fascinating because she followed the recipe to a T and then it hits. I'm like, oh. So a recipe is very similar to buying a course. This works most of the time. And sometimes for un not fully understood reasons it doesn't work. Yeah. But if I had a chef in the room I've guaranteed the noodles would have been cooked properly. And that <laughs> that would be hiring a coach. Sure, right? So I just want to so those are just a couple of examples of how you can take these mundane okay. situations and yeah. simply by asking yourself what's the lesson here, Yeah. You now you know what to write for your email. Yep.
0: Yeah. I, I've I've got an idea that I've worked with too um, that really it could work for email content as well as social media content. Um and it's based on my experience when I was a pastor, when I'd write sermons. Um mm. uh, the way that I wrote sermons, I actually manuscripted all my all my messages. Um, but the way uh that I built those is I'd literally I'd sit at a coffee shop and I would write down um questions that people have asked me. Um, about certain topics, right? And so I was leading a young adults group. I was the associate pastor of a church. So people would ask me stuff all the time about spiritual formation and theology and doctrine and general life stuff, whatever, right? And ask for my my opinion and expertise or whatever. Uh, and I would imagine myself, I'd, I'd sit in a Skype shop and I'd write these questions down, but then I would imagine myself if that person was in front of me, And I was having a conversation with them. I would imagine the person that I was talking to as my target audience, right? And so I would imagine like, okay, if I say this thing, how could they possibly respond? They might have these three different uh, answer or, you know, questions related to this one topic. And I'd use those as my three bullet points. And then I'd create, you know, content out of that. And so my sermons would be answering questions that people were asking, Uh, that, you know, related to, you know, what I had expertise in. And so for people that are listening to this, you know, if you are an expert in whatever it is that you do, or you're a service provider or you make products or whatever, like think about the things that people are asking you and tell stories about, you know, in your answers in the form of stories Uh, that are related to, you know, what these people are asking. Uh, Because for every one person that might be asking one question, there's always 10 more. (laughs) Uh, And so that's a way that I found to uh, be able to write content for these kinds of things as well. So if somebody was just, you know, getting started today, like maybe they've been in business for over 10 years or something, 15, 20, and they've never done this before, but they're recognizing the need to do it. What just like quick fire, just like, what are the like top three things that they should consider just kind of based on on everything we just talked about?
1: Um. So yeah, the overview of what I would do if I was starting an email list from scratch, but I already had a business is first, I would actually, I'd probably do everything in reverse order. I would start off by writing my evergreen sequence. What, what is the flow people are going to go through? I, I'd write those and I'd take all the time I needed to to make those great. It took me a month to write them. I'd spend a month writing them. Uh, but i write that evergreen sequence. Second, I'd come up with a irresistible, either lead magnet or tripwire product offer that I can give people so that they willingly opt into this email list. If you've been in business for 10 years, you already have a list of emails from your customers. Yep. I would still want them to be opting in. So sure. what I might do is use Woodpecker to blast my entire Yeah, past buyer list and offer them that lead magnet offer so they can willingly opt into this new list. Um, And then the last one would be just how we get about promoting the offer so people can start entering the email list. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Great. I love it. I think it's going to really help people. And if that wasn't enough, we have one more free gift for you guys. Uh, Right now, we have a link in the description where you can go ahead and Opt into our lead magnet so hey. that you can watch this really cool training video on how to elevate your business to the next level in as little as 40 minutes a week. So if you want to learn how to do that, click the link in the click the link in the description below. Fill out your name, your phone number, your email. That's the lead magnet. Watch the cool training. Get a lot of value out of it. Awesome. We'll talk to you guys next week. It's see you